What an incredible encouragement in the music this morning and uh, our time of worship. If you take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Ephesians, if this is your first time here. Uh, maybe you haven't been back in a while. We have started a series out of the book of Ephesians called Sit, Walk, Stand. And the premise of this is that the Apostle Paul wants us to understand things in a particular order so that we can be victorious Christians, so that the church can be what he wants us to be as his church. And it is an order that is backwards to what we normally would do to attack a situation. We would get all buffed up and we'd get, all, we'd get our willpower up and we'd decide we're just going to fight and we're going to do these things and we're going we're to really uh, get our lives straight and then we'll be right with God. But the book of Ephesians starts from a whole different angle. He, he spends the first three chapters saying, you are right with God. You are right with God through what Jesus has done on the cross. He wants us to learn to rest and find peace in our identity in Christ. And then as we understand our justification, our forgiveness, that we are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus, we can then walk in the power of his spirit and stand in the might of his word. And so that is the, the premise of this series, and it is how Ephesians is laying out for us this journey. So let's take our Bibles and let's stand together and let's read verses 7 through 14 as uh, we follow along. And I want to continue to encourage you this morning to sit, to rest in who you are and in whose you are. And so this passage of Scripture tells us how incredibly blessed we are in every spiritual blessing. Let it just soak in. Let it encourage you. Let it lift your head this morning. In Christ, in him, we have what, church? Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us a mystery, the mystery of his will, the mystery that in the church, Jews and Gentiles would come together through Christ. He would not just uh, minister to the people of Israel, but he would envelop the whole world in grace. This incredible mystery as, is according to his purpose, and he set that forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Father, may you be praised in every generation, forever and ever, as we reflect on your grace, your mercy, your goodness to us. Help us see that you have a plan, that Christ is at the very center of that plan, 
that we can trust it. May we rest in it today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may be seated. Let me just quickly tell you what we're going to hear in the next few minutes. We're going to see that there is a plan you and I can trust. There is a plan you and I can trust. There is a paradox you and I need to maintain. And there's a peace. There's a peace that we can have. Now, notice what Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 reminds us. It says in these words that are sometimes a bit controversial, but they're not meant to be controversial. They're meant to be comforting. And listen to what he says. In Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works, how many things? All things according to the counsel of David Chauncey's will. Man, I've tried that. I am so blessed that God's not working things according to Pastor Gary and Pastor David's choices. He's not working all things together based upon your will. You you come to bear in this, but he is working all things according to the counsel of his will. Now, let's dig into this just for a second. You'll see there is a plan. There is a plan. That may seem very simplistic to you, but we don't live that way often. We live as if we think maybe God doesn't have a plan. He has a plan, and God's plans never fail. There is a plan. He predetermined it. You see that word predestined. He, he thought it out in advance. He predetermined. And you say, well, I can't figure all of this out. Well, you're not God. And I'm okay with the fact that you're not God. I'm okay with the fact that I can't figure out all of how God does this. I do know he's omniscient, meaning he knows everything. I know he's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere at all times. I know he's omnipotent. There's not a thing he can't do. I know that he is eternal. He's existing simultaneously, past, present, and future. In fact, I know that he existed before there was time, before there was a past, present, and a future. He's so big. It's perfectly okay to say he is working every thought, every hair follicle falling to the ground. He's working every intention of our hearts. Even though they're rebellious against him, he is working all things according to the counsel of his will. We have a word for that. It's called sovereignty. Our God is sovereign. You're not going to sneak up and surprise God. You're not going to shock God. He knows all things. He knows them past, present, and future all at once. So there is a plan. Everything that happens in your life is part of that plan. Everything. But here's the great thing is Christ is the very center of that plan. Look back at verse 9. He said, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which he set forth in Christ as a, as a what? As a plan for the fullness of time. Now, this is a wonderful sentence to get into the Greek, which I won't get into, but it's, it just basically says God has the gift of administration. God has administrated and dispensed the ages and the times and the nations and the occurrences, he dispenses all of those things according to his sovereign counsel and according to his 
purpose. And notice what is at the very center of this purpose. Look at verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time, what is he going to do? What's this all about? He's uniting all things. If he's uniting all things, that means things have been divided. That's exactly what sin has brought into the world, a division. And so we have a physical wreck of a world. We have a spiritual wreck of a world and universe. And we have all of these things that are decaying and divided. And he has a plan. This is all not not news to God. It's all part of a plan to unite all things spiritual, all things physical in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth plan and Christ is the center of that plan. He's uniting all things in him. You say, why is that so important? Well, this brings us to the fact that we need to rejoice in that plan. We need to rejoice and live out in that plan. And notice this plan has a few components that I want us to see. First of all, it tells us we have been chosen or selected by the Father. Second of all, it tells us that we have been saved by the Son, and thirdly, it tells us that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's all three persons of our Godhead. They have agreed together in eternity past to do what we cannot do, to unite all the broken things, to bring about the forgiveness of sin for people, and to, and to bring about the body of Christ All people across the world who place their faith in Christ are being sealed into the body of Christ and they will forever be saved and glorified and a trophy for all of the universe to see how great God is. Aren't you glad you're a part of that? We've been selected by the Father. We have been saved by the Son. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have to get into this more deeply at another time. Let's just look at a few of the scriptures and just remind you what this means. If you look back in uh, verse 4, it talks about what the Father has done. The Father chose us in Christ. Remember the chronology of this? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us. He predetermined for us to be adopted as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So there was a selection, there was a choice in the future. You're going to say, what was that choice based on? And we have lots of answers that kind of go around in our minds about why did God choose? Did he choose everybody? Did he just choose those who would be saved? We'll talk about that a little bit. But let me just show you uh, what it's meant to do. It is meant to know that if you are in Christ, if you have trusted Christ, you are the selection, you are the choice of God. And those who he has predestined, he called those who he has called, he justified. Those who he has justified, Romans tells us, he will glorify. It is to comfort you, not confuse you. Now, I'm going to talk about a paradox in just a moment. So, we, here's what Paul wants us to know. He's, he's not explaining all the details of it. How does God do this? I, I don't understand how he figures all of this out. He just says, no, you, here's what you need to know. God has 
God is sending you out on mission and you have the full backing of the triune Godhead. God is behind you. And not only were you selected by the Father, look what it says that the Son did for you. Look at verse 7. In Him, you have redemption through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And we talked about this last week before we celebrated communion together, how through the, shed, the, the life given of Christ, the shed blood of Christ, He ransomed you. And then it says, look at verse 13. that you've been sealed by the Spirit. Look at verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have been marked. You have been authenticated. And this Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, that is the guarantee, that's the down payment of an inheritance that you will acquire possession of fully when Christ comes again, all to the praise of what a wonderful person you are, all to the praise of his glory. So you see that God put his full force, Father, Son, Spirit, work together to save you. Now do you know why Baptists say, once you're saved, you're always saved. Why? Because the Father selected you, the Son saved you through the, He redeemed you through His blood, and the Holy Spirit of promise has absolutely sealed you and marked you. Let me just give you an example. And I just prayed, I hope this kind of helps not confuse the situation. My son called me a few months ago. They always call me, and I think I've shared with you, when any of my older sons who no longer live with us call me, call me, it's never good news. When they call mom, it's always good news. When they call me, it's for money. It's for problems. It's for car trouble. I don't know why I deserve that, but anyway, that's just the way it is. But, so one of my sons, my second son, called me and said, Dad, I need, I, I, I'm sorry, but uh, my car got towed. It's impounded. And uh, he had parked in an apartment complex of a friend, and, you know, he just parked in the bad spot. Well, they just came and just towed it. So it's, it, is, it is in the pit. The car is imprisoned behind the fence there. And I'm telling you, you just can't go up and get it. Uh, so this car, the problem with the whole scenario is that that car he drives is my car. It still belongs to me. It's in my name. About six or seven years ago, I went, and out of all the different cars I could, I selected that car. I chose that little Honda Civic, and I put it in my name. That's my car. Now, because of sin, (laughs) that car is imprisoned. It's impounded. And you know what they call it when you get a car out of something like that? Redemption. You got to redeem the car. How do you redeem the car? You go ask nicely? Somebody's got to pay a price. 
Guess who paid the price? No. My son paid the price. My son paid. My son came up with the money, and he paid the price to redeem my car that I had selected. My son saved it. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem is that he had the payment, and he was laying the payment there at the one who now controlled my car. He's laying the payment there, but it wasn't enough. They called me, and my son called me and said, because this car is in your name, they need a guarantee. They need, to, they need a signature from you. They will not give this car to me without proof that it's yours. You have to print out this document. You've got to sign it. And then you've got to get it sealed by a notary. So I went and I got it, signed it, got a seal, and I sent it to them, and my car was free. Are y'all making the connection? Isn't that awesome? And what we've seen in this passage this morning is that there are those who belong that are, have the, the signature of God on their lives. They are his, they're chosen, they're predetermined, they're predestined. We've seen this in scripture. But they are captured by sin, imprisoned, and there is a penalty for parking in the wrong lot. And it's death. The wages of sin is death. So God the Father sent God the Son to redeem us. Can you imagine if that wrecker service had looked at my son Caleb and said, the hundred bucks is not enough. I need your blood. I need your life. You see, I would never trade my son's life for a beat up Honda Civic. None of us would do that. And yet, God did that for us. God the Son laid down his life for a beat up old world. Rebellious people like you and me. We were saved and redeemed by his blood. But here's what this scripture tells us. When we hear that gospel, we respond in faith. God gives us a mark, a seal that it is authentic. And that seal is who? The Holy Spirit. You say, how do I know? How do I know if I have been selected, if I've been saved? How do I know this? Well, Paul answers the question. Look at verse 13 and 14. In him, you also, here's how you know. See, our job is not to figure out the predetermined past. And so I don't, I don't, really talk a lot about it or worry a lot about it and go, you know, I don't know if you're predestined or if you're elect or all of those kind of things. Here's how I'll know. And here's how you'll know. 
When you hear the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in it, and place your faith in it, you will be saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's how you'll know. You say, well, how do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I have the seal of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit leaves his marks. He is determined to make us like Jesus. The Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin. The Holy Spirit will work over time to produce fruits in our life, the fruit of the Spirit. And when I see that, when you see it, it's the seal. You understand, hey, the Holy Spirit, this promised gift lets me know that I am His and that He is mine. And we'll be singing that little song like Stevie Wonder, right? Here I am, baby. <laughs> Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. I don't deserve to be his. I'm yours. Pastor, there's so much here I want to know. I'm telling you, I could preach out of Ephesians 1 for a year, I think. It's just so deep. There is a plan. Everything in your life is a part of that plan. The center of the plan is not you. The center of the plan is Christ. And God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have come together to offer you life in that plan. What does that do for us? He keeps saying, like in verse 14, and I think this is another mark that the Holy Spirit is in you. Look at verse 14. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it unto the praise of his glory. There will come out, there will flow out of those who understand what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have done for them. There is something that flows out of us we just can't help but praise. We can't help but worship him. We can't help but be amazed by his grace. There is a plan that we can trust. Second of all, and I don't, uh, I don't have time to get into it, but there is a paradox here that we must maintain. Let me just show you this paradox. Paradox are things that seem to be mutually exclusive, that you can't really believe them both at the same time. The first is that God chooses you. The second is that you choose God. You say, well, which one is it? Yes. Are they both true? They are. You know why I know that? Because you cannot escape the teaching of God's election and God's predestination. You can't escape it if you study the Bible. Now, you can go around it if you want, but it's there everywhere you turn. In fact, it's amazing if you, if you line up the scriptures. You can do pages of scriptures like this. He chose us in Christ. He predestined us to be adopted. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
And I could go on for 10 minutes reading verses that talk about God's choice of us and God's calling of us. And then I could just go on for 10 or 15 minutes reading verses like this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You come to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only uh, begotten son that what? Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 that this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You say, I can't make sense of this. Join the club. For 1,800 years, the greatest theological minds have, have tried to work this together and try to land on one side or the other. But I believe there is a holy tension here that is meant for us to maintain. And I don't know exactly how it works out together, but I know that it has this unique effect. Because we know that salvation, your salvation, my salvation, is the work of God, then I can have peace. I know it's the work of God. And because I know it's the work of God and his choice, I can't take any credit when I walk into heaven. Walk into heaven and go, look what I did. Where's my mansion? Ain't gonna happen because it is the work of God. But I also know because the Bible teaches it very clearly that if I walk into hell, if I walk into hell, I will know it is 100% my fault. 100% my fault. I don't know, it's something like marriage. You know, people say marriage needs to be 50-50. Marriage is really 100%, 100%. What is salvation? It's 100%. The work of God. And you must yield. You know, it's amazing. There are other tensions that are like it in Scripture that we don't, we don't think about too often. Do you know that we believe that Jesus Christ was 100% man? And how much God? How does that work out? I don't know if we're okay with that. Do you know that the Bible didn't drop out of heaven? But we believe that every word of the Bible is inspired and the words of God. But it was written over 1,600 years by 40 different authors. It is 100% the work of man and 100% the word of God. See how that tension? We hold that tension. There's a paradox we can't let go of. I would encourage you to maintain that tension and think about verses like Isaiah 55, 9, which says this, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we trust him. If infinite revelation by definition will take a fi- it will take a finite mind way beyond its intellectual capacity. There are things in nature we cannot explain, like light. We could get all the physicists in here where you say, is it a wave or is it a particle? Yes. We're not really sure. It is what it is. But we see it 
and it brings everything to light. We see the effects of it. There's a peace that you and I can enjoy and a power we can have in life when we can rest in this. When we can rest in this. The Bible has told me that God loves me, that God the Son has redeemed me, that God the Holy Spirit has sealed me and marked me as his. A beat up old civic. And inside of this broken flesh, there is a new man, David Chauncey. Purchased by the blood of Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit, loved eternally, backwards and forwards forever, by God the Father, and everything that happens in my life is according to his plan. I'm telling you, that is a freeing understanding. It just releases you. If we could just live in that, sit in that. The people that can sit in that are the ones who walk most wisely and stand most powerfully in the days to come. Let's pray together. So God, these are high thoughts. I don't even feel adequate to explain them. But they're there right there in your scriptures for us to see. In one verse, you're telling us it's all planned by the counsel of your will. And in the next verse, you tell us that we're saved when we hear the gospel and we intentionally place our faith in you. So that's where it leaves us. There are people sitting here today, Father, who have yet to receive the gift of eternal life. And if they do not they will be separated from you forever and forever and face the punishment for their sin the penalty God I pray that they will hear the invitation offered today whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved and God when you save us you save us good you save us we thank you Help us to walk in this truth, rest in it for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together? We're gonna sing a hymn of invitation. It's just a time to respond. Maybe some of you have never responded to the gospel. You've heard it, maybe you believe it. Well, the way that you publicly demonstrate that is you are baptized. Some of you need to publicly say, I have trusted Christ, and we invite you to come. Take my hand, I'll pray for you, and we'll get you to be baptized uh, later on in another service down the road. But that's your public testimony. I'm sealed and marked. I'm part of the family of God. We encourage you to come. Maybe you come this morning to join our fellowship or just for prayer, or take this time to sing the words as a response of worship to the Father. Let's do that together as you come.